I wasn't there. I swear to you, it was a dream. Fuck you. You fucking bastard. I've known about this affair. I've known about this affair all along. You look at here. I know about you and George, and maybe somebody else too. You're going down. Life in prison, Bill. Life in prison. Welcome to Twin Peaks Rewatch. From Idle Thumbs, I'm Chris Remo. I'm Jake Rodkin. And we are back to discuss the second episode of Twin Peaks, The Return. This episode was written by Mark Frost and David Lynch. It was directed by David Lynch. Hmm. And it aired uh, on Sunday, May 21st, 2017. All right. So on this which episode. was back to back with that last is, week's, with correct. the previous episode, not last week's. Yes. Please. So on this episode, we get an update on the situation in Buckhorn as Bill Hastings is visited in prison by his wife, Phyllis, who confronts him on his affair before being shot at home by Bad Coop. Bad Coop, after shooting Phyllis, kills his mechanic, learns of a plot by Ray and Daria to kill him. So he kills Daria before uh, hacking the FBI and learning some kind of information. Hawk, still in communication with Log Lady Margaret, visits Glastonbury Grove where he sees glimpses of the entrance to the Black Lodge. In the Red Room, crazy shit happens. Finally, we catch up with some more Twin Peaks characters, uh... Things get weirder in the glass box room, and a new plot line is introduced in Las Vegas. Sounds right. It's interesting when you actually read a plot description of these episodes, even though it they they sound way more like a classic-ass Twin Peaks episode than yeah. I would expect. You also sold the affair thing short, where she says that she knows about an that's affair. That's true. They confront then, each other. And they confront yeah, each other yeah, about their affairs. That's very true. And- at least in these two episodes, it feels like Mark Frost and David Lynch have thrown the idea completely out that there is uh, that this is a commentary on or coexisting with sort of soap operas as a genre. Like that is not mm. in any of the stylistic That's anything very true. in Twin Peaks. At least in these episodes, yeah, yeah. At least in these episodes so far, it feels like. Which I don't mind. I I thought that I would mind it more than I did, or more than I have so far. But um, as Sarah, your wife pointed out when we were talking about it, I think in like the Idle Thumbs chat room, mm-hmm. um, soap operas just aren't a genre that are in the popular conversation anymore. It, yeah. Like it made so much sense in the nineties when they were sort of like a kitschy thing that everyone kind of was aware of, but were still very much on the, on the air at all times. And still a huge piece of like the major network daytime yeah. block. Soap operas just aren't a piece of television anymore. And the yeah, fact, I mean, they still exist. They chug along, but they're not they're, really a dry, They're not, they don't have that that centrality. Yeah, if you, I mean, the percentage of all of television available in America, right. soap operas used to right. take up like per capita of all of the TV that was available, mm-hmm. a lot of it. And now there's hundreds of networks that don't have a single soap opera on at any well, time. And I, which is probably in part because a lot of primetime television has become more soap opera-like. That's also true. You know, it used to be the case that a lot of the most successful shows were sitcoms and, and you know, shows that had... Or procedurals. Yeah, or procedurals, shows that were largely one-off episode by episode. Um, but the a lot of the tropes of soap operas have just sort of become part of prestige television. Yeah, it's weird to hear you rattle off all of the stories that are still, like, weird things happen. People killing each other and double-crossing yeah. each other <laughs> and all affairs. these things. Yeah. And ha- Yeah, but there's no... It's not really in the form of a soap opera. It's just sort of in the form of a televised or filmic dramatic story. Yeah. Mm. At least, which I guess makes it in the form of a modern soap opera, I guess. Right. Because uh, <laughs> yeah. just everything is that now. Yep. I, I don't have a whole lot to say about that other than that, but it was it was just hearing you say all the all the plots out was like, oh, this literally just sounds like the mill plot and all the other stuff from the old right. show. But that sort of structure and genre form well, isn't isn't as assertive as it was. Yeah, and the difference is, I mean, you can already tell this is starting to change in episode two, but certainly in episode one, um, the one big difference is when Twin Peaks 
you know, as I mentioned in, in the last episode, the Twin Peaks pilot opens up with everything coalescing around this one very central event. Mm-hmm. Here we get a lot of totally disconnected threads. You know, in a soap opera, part of the... Uh, we should probably stop reviewing soap opera because it's, you yeah. know, it's just in a lot of serialized storytelling. Part of the um, the hook is that all of the stories are all swirling around kind of the same events and locations and characters. Mm-hmm. But certainly in episode one of Twin Peaks season three and to a lesser but still present degree in this one, a lot of this stuff is very disparate. Yep. Yeah. And I assume it, that will continue to consolidate. Yeah. I mean, even you can you can as we'll get into you can yeah. feel the thing starting to consolidate but at the same time as that's happening it is just new threads are popping up even within this episode right like that vegas, like thread. The Las vegas I, thread i don't i didn't even know how to yeah. summarize it because i don't have enough, uh, any context to know what the characters are or what the situation being described is other than generally extortion seems to be occurring yep. in a very classic oh, way before we get into the actual contents of this episode yeah the opening credits had a slight change oh, in I this episode. I don't know if I noticed. Uh, instead of it starting with, because episode one started with the sort of montage of scenes from the pilot or sort of just stills from the inside of Twin Peaks High and then ended with the held shot of Laura Palmer's face. Yeah. This one starts just straight up with the camera going through the clouds, but Laura's face is like sort of digitally ingrained into the clouds and the camera like flies through it as it dissolves away. Oh, yeah. So... Uh, maybe they were just easing us into it, but you know, uh, the first episode was very sort of like stately and mm-hmm. classic yeah. filmic, and now they're like, okay, well, you've seen the weird sort of jittery guy in the box, so David Lynch CG or like digital effects are in the palette of the show, so now the opening credits will include Laura Palmer's face digitally uh, <laughs> right. cross blended into a cloud. Yeah, um, I haven't seen three or four yet, but yeah, I hope no, I hope that was that, a good. You know, maybe this is going to be like the Simpsons where sort of the opening just has different weird uh, Mm -hmm. things every time. Like, you know, (laughs) like the couch gag. Yeah. Like the couch gag. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, keep an eye out. That's really funny. I I may have noticed that and already forgotten. It was actually really subtle. I had to I thought I was like, did I see that? And then I had to go back and see it again. I'm sure now that I just said that out loud. Someone will send me a still and it is not at all subtle. And it literally (laughs) just starts with Laura Palmer's face. Uh, Well, I mean, I was just going to say that sort of related to that as I'm trying to think now of what you're describing I mean part of what it as I'm thinking now about this episode that we're currently recording episodes one and two were so similar and so I mean they're they're you know there's different different stuff we can talk about certainly but that they might as well just have been a two-hour movie right I mean like there were just I'm, I'm having trouble already separating in my head what was What's the dividing, what? which yeah. is which is one of the reasons I stopped after watching episode two instead of watching three and four because I realized there'd be no way I would maintain yeah. my ability to Same. record discrete podcast episodes if I didn't start enforcing a, a, a barrier there. Yep. Well, I guess we should talk about. Let's. Do, I mean, we'll start how the episode starts, which is with yep. the Bill Hastings Buckhorn Buckhorn in Buckhorn um, Buckhorn I've, Bill. I've already forgotten the name of the woman who was murdered. Uh, Ruth Davenport? Yeah, Ruth Davenport. Potentially, allegedly killed by Bill Hastings. Yeah. School I, principal. Right. Who 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 sort of starts to fall apart in his interrogation, but I, it's pretty, it, by the end of this episode, it's pretty clear that, I th- I think it's fairly clear that he is some kind of weird psychic patsy, at, right? I mean, do you think he actually killed her? I mean, I don't actually think so. I don't I don't I mean yeah you're right that if he did it was in some sort of fugue state or something yeah. is the impression that I get yeah. because he's being used as a tool or I mean the fact he that straight up wasn't actually present for the murder which is in- unlikely increasingly unlikely and he was just having an affair that seems very unlikely to me but I I mean I sus- I don't know I the the presence of bad coop as the clear architect of this thing. Mm-hmm. He shows up at Phyllis's house yes. and says, great, you you behaved exactly like hum- according to human nature and shoots her. I mean, it, it really feels to me that he used uses whatever his weird Black Lodge powers or whatever they are to orchestrate this thing. Or he just straight up... Yeah, 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 go ahead, sorry. Yeah, through, through what means, I don't know, but, but it... 
it feels to me as though he, and, and to what end, I also don't know, but he took advantage of a useful situation, which is that both of these people are having affairs, therefore, like, yeah. couldn't be connected to the events at hand. Um, yep. You know, he shot Phyllis with uh, Bill's lawyer's yeah. gun. Who, George. He, George, yeah. right, who was having an affair with Phyllis. Yeah. Um, so he, you know, he's, there's direct evidence that he was framing He's already framing someone. Yeah, I was really, I mean, it was immediately, I was, you know, it was intriguing that Phyllis knows Cooper. Yeah. But I was frustrated, I think, as of right now, not knowing where anything is going, but I was frustrated that Phyllis is shot so immediately because I really enjoyed the scene of Bill and Phyllis in the jail cell arguing and one-upping each other and like that stuff. Yeah, until she just like gets the... (laughs) absolute last word which is yeah. you're gonna die in you're, here you're gonna die in here and leave <laughs> but like that sort of just crunchy really emotionally charged one-upsmanship is mm-hmm. i think a thing that was really present in a lot of mark frost's season one and two scripts like whenever mm-hmm. like it re- it reminded me the, the, that person, is the, that the personalities is the, are different but it reminded yeah. me of like bill or of, of bill jesus of ben horn and Catherine stuff like yeah and, and that kind of just like that definitely, I we, agree. We have stacking dirt on each other, and the actors really ate it up, and it mm-hmm. felt like Lynch was really on top of that scene. Like it just mm-hmm. it worked really well, and then she was killed. Yeah, yeah. That that kind of back and forth is something I don't associate with actual David Lynch dialogue, but he's clearly still really good as a director at just getting it out of yeah. It feels actors. It, it feels very much like Frost, like a like a Mark Frost thing. Yeah, but. Yeah, I that that I mean, scene this played show is, really well for me. Okay, before we forget, uh huh, <laughs> there is an extremely important detail uh, regarding Bill Hastings and the jail, which is that crazy guy who like fades out of the jail cell and then his face floats vertically up, yeah. out of the first like screen, basically. Yeah, I did not know what that was. My, uh, it was that was the most Mulholland Drive shit. Yeah, that was Bill so... seems kind of aware of it, right? Like he's or something. Was he's, he? I don't know. He seemed. I couldn't tell if the camera was just revealing information or if it was kind of like convey or like yeah, sort of trying over, to show right? like Bill's awareness because he's like looking kind of just yeah. distraught, and then the camera just like meanwhile and pans over. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You think you got a bad look? Look, look at the other guy, <laughs> man. I didn't read any of that into no, it. No, probably don't, because maybe, maybe, maybe there's nothing. I thought that for yeah. some reason Bill was like looking, like maybe no, had I mean, some anxiety really, about I, that. No, but I kind of want to go back but, and rewatch but, but it. Why now would that he? Now that you've said that, it was um, such a strange thing. Yeah, well, it was a strange thing, except that again, like it felt so directly in line with stuff with stuff Lynch did mm-hmm. in film. Yes, between the original Twin Peaks and this. And so it almost felt to me like it, it weirdly felt more familiar to me than anything we've seen in either episode yet, which I know is an insane thing to say, but like the direct Twin Peaks follow-up stuff we've seen so far is like v- very different because yeah. even if, even at just at the base level, because the actors are a bunch older, right? Like right. even that basic level, whereas this felt like something that could literally be transplanted out of other Lynch movies I've seen. Yep. It the the sort of um the weird shape of the head that remains also s- kind of felt like it was echoed in the weird head on the tree which also kind oh. of feels like the weird hmm. head attached to the vaguely humanoid figure inside of the box and I don't know if there's any if God, that's just like if, if that's just no like idea. there's yeah. similar like art yeah. direction and similar impulses or if there's some if there's a lot of weird, just sort of gummy, remaindered heads, uh, yeah. as a, as a, we'll find out. <laughs> yeah, that man, that did not occur to me at all. I, it could have, it could have only occurred to me because I'm mistaken. Well, we'll see, or we will never see. <laughs> we could, yeah. we could talk about um, bad coops, yeah, shenanigans. Since it, it, we already have started doing so, it definitely feels like we're. Coming into a story in progress at a different point in time than we than we ever have in Twin Peaks, and it's also kind of irregular just for TV. I think I don't know. I mean, the way that this the way that the season's opening is just like 
as as we get increasingly into this episode, it feels like this season is opening at a crazy tipping point where we're catching like the tail end of a ton of story arcs. Yeah. Like Cooper and his crew. Yeah. Who knows what that means? The this Bill stuff and has Hastings all been things. brewing and we're coming in at the climax almost. Yeah. And it seems like yeah. it's because uh, it's in- increasingly implying at least that some sort of crossover event where Cooper is going back in yes. and out of the lodge yes. is happening. So we're sort of seeing just, just getting tiny glimpses of maybe not even the precipitating events, but the things that are going to get spun out in the fallout, the fallout of, yeah. of whatever is happening with that. And it, yeah, I mean, we learned that as uh, you know, as of the time of this episode, tomorrow is when Bad Coop is like scheduled, I guess, whatever that to go means. back into the yeah. Black Lodge. I mean, presumably that is what the twenty-five year later. I guess so. Dead, yeah, deadline weird. must be. I mean, that's what I assumed when I was watching it. That we don't know. We obviously haven't known what that meant for twenty-five years, but there's some kind of cycle, presumably, hmm. that um, yeah, is I enacted. guess so. I had not thought of it that way at all, but I guess that's. I guess that's probably what it is. Weird. Yeah. I had I had made this crazy mental construct of like, oh, well, events in the lodge take place out of time and all the characters know that in 2017 certain forces will align yeah. such that this happens probably, but it, it's not so much like there's a huge clock anywhere or anything, but just like the right. random happenstance and the sort of like – collisions of life mean that this will happen, but you're probably right. Well, those two things could both be, I mean, that that's could true. Be, I guess the whole sort of way that this, the, yeah. that all of the sort of dream logic of Twin Peaks is structured is that, yeah, those two things are actually kind of forces that impact each other to create weird like predictability of some yeah. sort, even in the, a chaotic. Yeah. Know, that create both chaos and fate seem yeah. to all kind of yeah, 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 yeah. collide and coexist in a way that is impossible to explain. Yeah. I'm, I am really hoping that, so I mean, this is skipping around a bit, I guess, but well, whatever. I'll wait till we get there. So, okay. so, ba- so, Bad Cooper has some kind of weird, like, plan to evade being sent back to the Black Lodge. He says, um, and yeah, yeah, but here's here's an interesting piece that that was we when we first so bad Bad Cooper, whatever he is, doppelganger <laughs> Cooper, Bad Coop, Bad Coop, uh. Shoots Phyllis Hastings. Yeah, says his stuff about your. You yeah. know, this is George's gun. Da 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 da. Then the next time we see him, it's in that gross diner with his crew. Yeah, and the thing that he's still talking about Hastings stuff, which I thought was interesting. What's he ta- What's he saying? Because he's talking to people about wanting information. That's right. And he's getting information yeah. from Hastings' secretary. So right, we don't know anything about what this coop's plan is, but. Whatever it did to get Hastings in jail and shooting Phyllis, it's not over. Like, it's not that shooting Phyllis was cleaning right. up his mess. It seems no, like you're he's right. somehow you're right clearing, about that. clearing a path yeah. to access something else, and we mm-hmm. don't know what that is or why. Yeah, information of something. And, kind. like, he, this episode, yeah, he was doing two things repeatedly, which were taking, taking lives, like, he was eliminating people. Yeah. Who either who either knew about him or had some agenda against him, and then also was obtaining massive amounts of information, either about Hastings that we know nothing about, we don't know anything about the anything on that story other than Cooper's interested in it, and then all of his like, and then like the deepest of Lodge lore apparently yeah. was the other stuff that he was yeah. going after. Yeah, he was he had, he was digging deep into uh, season did you, two. Did you get any like? Did you have any takeaways from when he was? getting into the FBI service, which looked like he was doing through some kind of weird technology. The screen was sort of getting distorted and stuff. Did, did you did you take anything from that? Or just generally speaking, are we meant to know he has access to the FBI back end somehow? Yeah. When I saw it, when Cooper, that was like the basically the last thing that we saw bad Cooper do in the yeah, episode, true, right? Yeah. Um, or not quite the last thing. I guess he, he shoots Daria, tells someone else to clean up or That's the, right. He, Goes to the next room, says, "Ask for cleanup." Yeah, but in yeah. in there somewhere, he he hacks a bunch of information. I didn't know what to make of all of that. It's really hard. Yeah. I mean, this is such a strange thing, knowing that other people have seen two more episodes than we have. That's okay, but uh, it. I didn't. I was unsure at that moment how much of. Dale Cooper's mind is present right. inside of yeah. this human being walking around on planet Earth. Yeah. And like 
he was last an FBI agent in 1991, so I don't know how he would know how to get into a computer. Oh, also, I, I don't know how much of this is even Cooper. Like, right. And how, like, that is still completely. I mean, he doesn't really act or talk like Dale Cooper. No, I know. Yeah. I, by the way, really, really liked in the diner when he was saying that stuff with information. I really liked his sort of, I don't need anything yeah. I want. Like, that was a really good, creepy, weird. Like, that definitely felt like, okay, yes, this is the incarnation of Bob that we never right. really had vocalized in this in this lucidly yeah. before. But, like, that totally speaks to that weird id. Yes. Yeah, you know, that that character yeah. embodies. I, so I guess that's the question that I have is Bob is obviously, or I say obviously, because <laughs> the last thing that I saw at the end of season two of Twin Peaks was Cooper with Bob's reflection in the mirror, right. yep. which is what we saw uh-huh. when Bob was like occupying the vessel that was Leland Palmer. Right. He also, that they represented it with Bob in the mirror. Yep. Um, it seems like Bob is just fully... In, like Cooper as a presence seems non-existent, but like the implication to me with that FBI stuff was that Bob was still somehow able to like know the things that Cooper knew, even if Cooper couldn't. Oh assert yeah, himself. I think that's definitely true. I mean, I think we know that from when he was is sort of embodying Leland as well. Yeah, right. He still knows where to find things. You know, he he still has. I yeah. believe it. It raised a bunch of questions for me in regards to like how direct a parallel there is between Cooper and Leland, which I'm sure the show will get into. Yeah. But right now it's airing very much on the side of Bob is in control and you are not responsible for yourself. Yeah, which is different than how Fire Walk With Me yeah, pitches Fire, it. Yeah, Fire I Walk With Me treats it way more like it's on a knife's edge. and like anyone, Fire Walk With Me feels like it's more like a metaphor for aggression and, and abuse. And, yeah. And, you know, yeah. And like, yeah, it, it with occasionally like Bob would straight up assert himself because yeah. it's a fantastical situation. But yeah, by yeah, and large, yeah. yeah, I felt like it was dealing way more with, with metaphor and with subtlety. And this seems far less literally that, and I'm interested in what mm-hmm. happens with that. Yep. But I didn't really know what that stuff meant with the computer. It just felt like sure. Cooper had by some means the ability to get into the FBI. Man, though, did it look so much when that map interface came up, it just looked like Wyndham Earl's computer. <laughs> it looked like Wyndham Earl's Grolier's encyclopedia, yeah, like yeah. CD-ROM of Twin Peaks. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was so distracted by the aesthetic of that stuff by just like, man, they put the bare minimum information on this computer screen to convey narratively what is happening. It did yeah. not guss it up. There was no web browser interface. There mm-hmm. was, it was just like, oh, he has to type in a login and a password? <laughs> put a login and a password field, an OK <laughs> button, and a cancel button, I guess. Yeah. And then just make like text show because information is being transferred, yeah, and like yeah. that was it. That yeah, was all yeah, that. Yeah. That was all that it cared about. What he he uh, really? I mean, speaking of fire, walk with me. A crazy thing that came up that I was not expecting was his reference to Philip Jeffries. He's he he. Yeah, he gets that weird communication device. Like it seems like Cooper, like this this doppelganger Cooper has a bunch of like bespoke strange technology yeah. with him. He is a very Wyndham early character, by the way. Like <laughs> yeah. I feel like on paper, what Wyndham Earl was supposed to be is kind of what, uh, what Doppelganger Coop yeah. is. Like he is a character who's just anyone who is like sort of a piece on the board that is bad for him yeah. killed. He's killed mm-hmm. three people this episode. Yeah. He has a briefcase full of weird bespoke technology yeah. <laughs> that totally allows him right. to access the FBI yeah. files and communicate with like lodge related people. Yeah. Except Mer- that he's actually scary and right. weird. Right. Merle is like the court jester version <laughs> yeah. of that character and Bad Coop is just the son of a bitch. Yeah, it's it's interesting to see this I don't know how conscious it was but it does kind of feel like they're taking a second bite at the apple of that character with those motivations yeah, no i think you're right but yeah when when he gets that weird box out and talks to a garbled recording of who he cooper seems to think he's going to be talking to philip jeffries right and then that person says i think that he says you talked to major garland briggs to to cooper is that what he said yeah it was it like- sounded like he was accusing cooper of trying to access garland briggs and then cooper says like in cooper gets worried and believes that maybe he's not talking to the real Jeffries. Yeah. Which I think it's clear. I, he's not right. I mean, I think it's, 
by yeah. the end of that call, it seems pretty clear that that is yeah. not. Yeah, and I mean, it seems and just it seems to, likely as a reminder, Philip Jeff- Jeffries is the David Bowie character from Firewalk with Me. Yes, who is sort of working similar cases to Cooper and disappears in a flash of light at mm-hmm. one point. I remember hearing that they that Lynch and Frost had said that they planned and hoped for Bowie to show up in this series, but uh, he, he died wow. before filming began. Yeah. Yeah. Those those Philip Jeffries showing up, then name dropping Major Briggs. Was just like a one-two. Yeah, two, that was crazy. A one-two of like, oh man, that's a bummer. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a bummer because the because neither the neither of the, those people, the people who play those characters, are alive. But also, it was just a surprise, like double deep drill down into the sort of like the holder in the care in in the sort of world of Twin Peaks. Those two characters are like deep holders of knowledge about what's that's actually true. going yeah, on. No, that is absolutely because, true. Um, I mean, we learned in season two what Major Briggs, like that he was doing some sort of recording, yeah, uh-huh. blah, 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 Government. whatever. And then yep. the backstory in Mark Frost's book is deeply about like the last thing that Major Briggs did before he passed away was attempt to consolidate every piece of information he possibly could about all of this stuff. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it just I, I don't know what to make of any of that <laughs> other than the fact that they just ah, that that recording and Cooper listening to it was actually was like. I perked up a ton when that happened because it was yep. just like such a just quick drill of like, whoa, I guess what this guy's doing is way less sort of unknowable and Yeah, he's directly engaging like, with all of this. Yeah, it's like an all yeah. out like direct, yeah, super direct assault on the information about his situation, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Presu- presumably what he said is because he's trying to not go back. Right, yes. Surely um, it's related to that. I mean, yeah. I, I sort of got this. I figured he's probably been attempting to weave together this plan for years, yeah. I assume. That, yeah. I mean, that also, it's so weird that Twin Peaks is so directly about this stuff now. Because, like, yeah. Mike, uh, I guess either as Mike or as Gerard in the early in the, in the mm-hmm. original show, alluded to the idea that Bob had attempted to do this sort of thing before, like, Bob gets out and goes yeah. on his sprees. And then yeah. Mike... And the crew has to sort of rein him in, right? Where they can then sort of coexist as peers and not enemies inside of the weird dream space. But like, I guess this season, at least right now, is explicitly about a time when that happened. That is, yeah. Like, well, do you want to go from that into into Cooper in the Red Room? Yeah, uh, yeah. So, I mean, a lot of this was, you know, sort of interesting and compelling, but. Cooper in the Red Room? to discuss, yeah, because it's, you know, so much of it is sort of impressionistic, dreamscape, uh, is very much in the vein of the end of uh, the original series finale of Twin Peaks. That's true, but this stuff felt far more concrete than that, even though it was still weird There was a lot more explanation. Yeah, it felt... felt... Also, it's worth noting that in contrast to the previous episode, this is explicitly the same red room yeah this feels far more like the red room as it appears in the finale of twin peaks and as it appears in uh fire Fire walk with with me me. yeah yeah yep yeah uh what all happens in there i mean i guess it's i mean mike is there laura is there the arm is there but is now a weird tree with a special effect on its face yeah (laughs) the arm which was the sort of alter ego of the man from another world right yeah or another place place. Yeah. yeah yeah yes Whose actor apparently refused to return or was... I don't know. Yeah. Awkward things happened with that guy. It yeah, sounds like it, but like I don't it, know yeah. enough of, of what I, it is. I don't really either, yeah. Um, There's some, there is some crazy stuff in this. We have, we have uh, Laura Palmer, like, opening her face yeah. to reveal blinding light, which is very evocative of... Uh, yeah. I mean, do you want to go through this stuff in order? Because it, sure, I don't know if the order, I don't know if the order is important, but it seems yeah, like it yeah, kind go, of is because it's because it. it's the. <laughs> also, I think your notes and mine are this are in the same format, which is I wrote Red Room Cooper, and then Mike exclamation points yeah. all capitals. <laughs> mine was Mike is there. Yeah, this scene was like the ultimate Twin Peaks nostalgia bomb. I think as well yeah. uh, in these two episodes, and it totally I was defeated by this scene. Yeah. Like it's less emotional than the other ones. But Mike says, "Is it future? Or is it past?" And then he says, "Someone is here," and he yeah. disappears. Then the scene with uh, with Laura Palmer, mm-hmm. it's almost word for word Cooper's dream from episode three. Yep. 
except it seems it's like similar, it seems like quite. the bookends of it were slightly yeah. frayed or changed. I thought that uh, Kyle McLaughlin and Cheryl Lee totally, totally owned in this scene. Yep. She was so good. I know. Like, just like, even the backwards shot of her looking at Cooper and just sort of doing that deliberate blink was like, it felt like such a choice. And yeah. like, her backwards performance going over to the chair, giving him the kiss, and then whispering in her ear, which I think is her whispering who kills her in the original dream. I don't know what oh, it is this yeah. time. Yeah. But like, whatever happened in the last... 25 years she got super good at delivering an incredibly nuanced and like beautiful looking performance backwards yeah right. like that's such like that's the shot yeah. if you're that actress you're like okay your first entrance into the show is literally recreating your most iconic scene from the first season <laughs> right. but now it's imbued with even more meaning go like yeah. and she totally crushed it i thought yeah. like it was yep. so it was so good yep yep I don't. Yeah, Cooper says, "When can I go?" I don't remember if I don't remember if the stuff about. Well, she, she says you can go out now. Right? Yeah, yeah. I can't remember if that was in episode and then three he or says, not. Can I go? And then and then wait, he says, "When can that? I go?" Oh, yeah. Then then yeah. Then they kiss, and she whispers in his ear, and then this then it goes fucking crazy. Yeah. When she screams and everything gets incredibly violent, and you don't know. Okay, I don't know what anyone else knows, but I didn't know if that was something new is happening to Laura or if that was another like often I think in the in the last episode in Fire Walk with Me when Laura was in the lodge slash red room, it, she was the character who the most felt like a human being who was sort of partly tortured in in even this sort of like afterlife or dreamscape or whatever by existing entirely out of time and the traumas from Laura's life would just mm. strike into the middle of these scenes. I imagine that what's going on here is actually that something new is happening. Yeah. But it felt so similar to like past lives that I couldn't tell if that was like Laura is actually just a tortured soul who in this space just will have that happen. But I, I it's impossible to know right now, I guess. Yeah. Because yeah. she screamed, turned into a digital effect at the last second, which... Yeah. Uh, classic yeah everything <laughs> up until she turned into a motion blurred puppet that flew away was really really freaky yeah like very that intense. was like yeah and then the curtains blow out of the way and you see the horse who shows up in the palmer's mm-hmm. house yep um and i don't know what that means no and i feel bad that like once again twin peaks has shown uh, a horse in the middle of nowhere and i again don't know what it means <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um didn't someone suggest so this i'm not suggesting this is the same here but didn't someone once suggest that was a cocaine metaphor oh maybe that seems really i remember like, mentioning that came up in one of our old podcasts that seems really on its face but, i know but yeah yeah who knows um and then mike the, oh the other thing is then mike says is it future or is it past which again is the thing that sort of made me wonder like what time in laura's life or not are we actually seeing her get affected like that like yeah. i didn't know but yeah you know obviously also that was just a big repeat of a previous scene yeah i mean he also says it's mike right who says that the doppelganger must come in before cooper can go out yes right which is interesting because in this episode cooper ends up in the glass box yes he he sort of is like violently ejected from the red room in a you know wha- crazy wacky sequence and then sl- oh yeah, when like the floor starts shaking around. Yeah, in in imagery that was actually evocative of the season two finale script that never got filmed. Oh really? Like I don't think that scene literally was there, but that sort of thing where just like suddenly it's a wacky weird prop, and then like it opens uh-huh. and there's a pool. Like that felt very much like, like it just didn't seem. It seemed I don't know it. It was it was a weird that that stuff was just really. I really of, strange I, and de- production designed in a way that yeah. I don't see David Lynch usually doing. Oh, I kind of liked the crazy floor thing. Oh, I did too. Yeah. It was great. It was weirdly theatrical and like yeah, just yeah, yeah. strange. Yeah. Yeah. The floor rips open and oh, he falls through a puddle of water then smacks and then down on the- slams onto the glass uh, thing and then yeah. sort of osmoses into yeah, it. Yeah, like seeps into it. Yeah. And, and it made me wonder like, is he in the real world now or is that box- Kind of a some sort like of in middle between. ground, yeah. In between, yeah, which would would not be surprising. But I I found myself de- well, even so when he falls into the box, it then feels like somehow he gets trapped again in a new way because yeah, because he's not. Then they, he sort of gets crushed in and out of existence in a weird yeah. David Lynch effect yeah. of it going smaller than bigger than smaller. And it, and it seems as though when he's in the box, th- that is act- that actually takes place 
during events of episode one when the box watcher is outside the room yeah, letting, it, letting his girlfriend in. Yeah, it, it, it. I saw some people online saying that they thought that maybe the spirit that kills them was also Cooper, but I'm pretty convinced. I don't think I'm so. pretty convinced that timeline wise, Cooper showed up before they were in the room. Yeah. somehow got disappeared. They yep. walk into the room, and then someone maybe who was following Cooper or something shows up and kills them. Yeah, that, I got that. That's exactly what I thought. I mean, okay. I didn't. I didn't think about it in terms of someone following Cooper. That's a good idea. Though. Well, I mean, following Just either whatever. chasing or. Just ends or up in there, is there after him. Yeah, one of the two, yeah. yeah. Just because Cooper is represented so literally as himself, and the thing that kills them is this crazy abstract. Yeah, like you like see literally effect. the same sort of one point perspective shot of the box, yeah. and Cooper appears in it, and it's just a completely different treatment. Effect. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but that also made me figure. Oh, I guess Cooper is not out yet, and I found myself desperately. I I really like want Cooper to be an actual character who exists in the world. I realized like by the end of episode two, I'm like, God, I hope he gets out of this thing. Yeah, because I would I would really like that actual character to be walking around and saying things and doing anything and interacting with people. I think it might have actually been the arm which turned into the weird tree that said that said the thing about the doppelganger. Um. Oh, oh, right. I th- yeah, sorry. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's all. I thought you were positing the. No, no, the, no. Yeah, I think. Okay. Yep. I'll, yep. No, I think you're right. Although that right. It, that the weird figure had a sort of lumpy face that was very similar to yeah, the, to the tree. To the arm. To the uh, tree. Yeah. To the, to the arm. To the tree. To the face. Yeah. Uh, I stepped on what you were talking about with the scene with Laura way earlier, but the one of the big differences you're right is that she takes her face off. Yeah. And yeah, it it totally did feel like a callback to the weird face masks that that the pe- the people in the lodge were wearing in Firewalk with me. Like mm-hmm. the Tremonts, I think had the face. Yeah, masks the kid, on. the child Tremont, I forget his name, but he does that same motion where he sort of he sort of pulls the face off, away, hinges yeah. it away from his. And face. And I noticed that when Laura pulled her face all the way off and was holding it in her hand, it yeah. wasn't quite the same sort of like lumpy thing from Fire Walk with me, but it was a more abstracted face. It like, was. It had no. It had. It was pure white. It was it white. Didn't have, yeah, yeah, it had sort of. Yep. Slightly funky features then when she put it mm-hmm. back. Also, that effect was very pristine. It was really interesting to I, see. I totally agree. I think that was actually a extremely sort of impo- like notably important moment because it, it I, I think you can really see in these episodes the distinction between when David Lynch wants an effect to be naturalistic and seamlessly integrated and when he wants the effect to itself be like the content. You know, yeah. like it's... Someone on the forums uh, drew a comparison to the sort of 20th century fine art practice of letting the medium shine through to the final work. So the process itself is part of the experience of viewing the work. Mm-hmm. And David Lynch, his actual training is as a, is in fine art. Like he is he is a, um, a visual artist. You know, before he was a filmmaker, mm-hmm. and I that totally tracks for me. He's also I mean, he, he's very interested in that kind of abstraction and yep. in no way minds the, and I think really enjoys the display of process in the final work. And so I think it's really notable that there are cases when the effects are clearly yeah. better integrated and clearly cases where it is probably intentional that they're not. Yeah, it's it's sometimes the world itself has events that take place inside of it where sort of the world is the canvas that he's working on and sometimes it's literally the 2D image of your screen. Exactly. Yes. Sometimes he's working with film as a medium where the actual film itself or like the video (laughs) files are the medium yeah. and and sometimes he's trying to act as though the world itself has these properties. It's, it's, I mean, to the, to the point that he still uses like the simplest camera tricks ever, like when, when Cooper walks into side, when he walks sideways into the curtains, yeah, it's literally just like the simplest trick you it's can a do with screen. a camcorder, yeah, where you just have two different screens and one, and yeah, you know, it's he walks a through. straight up classic split screen effect. You could, in theory, do that in a in a much crazier way. Where he like, could have also just had two curtains. Well, right. <laughs> if you walk behind another that's, curtain, that's, then it would be fine. That's true, and you could frame the shot in such a way that you don't notice. It's Which is how they did it in, in uh, the season. Like in the finale, in like some of the later episodes, yeah. like when Bob's hand yeah. comes out in in Glossary right, Grove, right, right, and then when right, Cooper right. walks in, yeah, it was just curtains. But in this case, it was a weird split right. Screen. And I think it, well, I just bring it up because I think it's clearly very intentional. Yeah. that he did it that way. Yep. Um, yeah. So anyway, yeah, it's funny. We're just it's, sort of babbling about I know these it, scenes, but it's, it's, well, it's, it's hard it's, to have anything concrete. I know. 
that 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 distinction is really interesting is it's it's a thing that probably isn't talked about or done in in film that often but it is a thing that well in his movies it is in his movies it is but it's it's funny to me to think about because uh when you make video games which is what we both do as our job yep. the notion of an effect or a transition or a gameplay action of, uh, taking place in world space or screen space is a thing that is discussed all the time. Like that's just a huge. Yes, it's never used the way that Lynch yeah. is. But like, there's it's never used to draw attention to itself. It, it is not. But it's a it's a thing that I have to think about yeah. from a technological standpoint all the time. Yeah. And I'm sure that's also a thing you talk about in video production. Yeah. And it's interesting that Lynch Especially does straight up now. Now that you have camera tracking and all this, like, yeah, it's, technology, it's interesting yeah. that he calls uh, specific awareness. But oh, the one thing, the one last thing I wanted to say about this is it is cool and refreshing, and and also just I guess maybe reassuring that in episode one we had the sort of like you were talking about the CG seamless tracking shot or like digital matte shot of the New York building. Right. And in this episode, we have that really seamless, wonderfully done effect of Laura removing her face and it sort of turning into a mask without mm-hmm. you even really noticing. It makes, I mean, this, you you implied this and I don't know if it was stated and I just missed it, but it, it makes Lynch's decisions feel so much more deliberate. Yeah, Whereas I, in I season agree. one and two, it was it felt like it was a combination of deliberate and necessity. Like he was yep. never going to get a good blue screen shot. He was never going to get a good digital mat. He was never going to get a good integrated anything. Yep. So it's just part sort of, of part point, of the aesthetic. Almost, yeah. But it's cool that now that the technology is here, he's using it as a choice and not either using it to cheap out or exclusively abandoning it in favor of expensive effects. It's cool that it's now just become a part of the palette by choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which again, I think is something that is... Very much in the tradition of his film work. Yeah. But yeah, I agree. It's interesting to compare it. Like, uh, honestly, so I think in addition to that being cool, just sort of for the stated reasons, I think it is, I've, I was imagining that one of the things that will be probably challenging to people coming into this, not being familiar with Twin Peaks is that so much of it looks so cheesy because (laughs) it's, we live in a world where you know, film for the most part is seen. I'm not. I'm not like trying to sort of make some grand statement here, but I'm mean, mm-hmm. just in general. Like we understand film as entertainment that attack that attempts to portray things as naturalistically and realistically as possible. Yeah. Even if you're having superheroes fly around, like pretty universally, the goal. Sure. Is I mean, the slogan to, of the, the tagline of the original Superman was "You will believe a man can fly." Right. It's, it's just yeah. like that is something we sort of just accept. I think intrinsically about film and like film entertainment especially just like mainstream blockbuster film entertainment and it's even as someone who's very familiar with Twin Peaks obviously and David Lynch's work it it is weird to watch something where the person yep. making it is just he is not concerned with that first and foremost yep. he's just that is he, he is an artist who has a different sensibility and i think that is probably going to be weird for people yeah, coming. I still find it weird. Like <laughs> I you do said, too. Like, I know. That's I a, yeah. find it hard to watch. I have to sometimes make myself be like, what intellectually is actually interesting about this? Yeah. Because compositionally and aesthetically, I hate it. <laughs> like, whatever. But like, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's annoying, but it's also really cool. Yeah. Like at the same time, it is for me, it is both those things. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm I, not someone who will profess to just like universally love that shit because I don't. But I do find it interesting yeah I mean I think it's you know? much better that it's there right yeah. like it's better to have those assumptions challenged like the reason it feels weird to us is simply because it doesn't get challenged yeah ever yep. right like the only reason things feel good or bad is because oh yeah of habit yeah yeah. I'm used to to even though TV is a 2D medium and you can technically do anything with it I'm used to people not doing this right yeah exactly so I guess on that um, what else what have we not what have we not discussed Still, in this uh, oh, episode. oh, uh, it was really good when Cooper opened the curtains and there was just a straight up matte cutout shot of, oh, of himself driving down the highway. That was so good. Or it was just like him opening oh, up to look like a basically a, yeah. a huge movie screen of himself busting down a desert. Yeah. So good. That just looked like a weird shot out of some 80s thing. And yeah. I was all yep. about that. <laughs> the other piece uh, of the sort of Red Room stuff is Hawk went out into the woods for reasons that we yeah. don't really know immediately got to Glastonbury Grove, which I was like, that seemed like he 
jumped the line on that. But no, obviously everyone at the end of season two Knows was there. Yeah. Like Andy was there. Yeah, and uh, Hawk Jeff went out there and shined a flashlight around, and yeah. a lynchy thing happened where whenever the flashlight sort of flared back into the lens, yeah. the flare had yeah. pieces of the curtain. In I it. love that stuff, man. I yeah. rewatched the. Um, I rewatched a whole bunch of Twin Peaks last week, but um, you know, ended with the season two finale. Man, the way the the way the curtains come up in the woods is like yeah, one of the best things because Lynch so good for being such a relatively simple effect. It is so so good. Yeah, it seems like he like shined a spotlight on the empty woods, like sort of illuminated the trees around it, and then yeah. also shined a spotlight on the version of it that had the curtains on, and then cross dissolved right as the light was coming up, and it just yeah. looks so magical it and looks, so good. Yeah, it's got this, and it's so dark. It's it's shot so yeah, dark. It's, it, it it's super good. Ah. Oh. I, it actually made me slightly disappointed when Hawk was waving the mm. light around and it was just the digital effect. But it still like reminded me of that moment, and it still like it it felt good. And it was yeah. I mean, it's it's funny that at this point they just are very consciously aware of the fact that they ended up coming up with some super super potent imagery, imagery yeah, yeah, with yeah, Twin yeah. Peaks, and they're just yeah. like, we're just gonna, well, it's just <laughs> just they're just using it. But yep. and then, um. Everything flashes, and we don't know what happened. We don't know what yet. happens to Hawk. Yeah, yeah. So um, we catch up with Sarah Palmer. Yeah, we catch up with Sarah Palmer by way of what was to me a surprising cut to an establishing shot of the Palmer House. Which, like, yeah, I know. Like it had been in some of Weren't the trailers. There two different Palmer houses. This is the Fire Walk with Me the Palmer fi- House. Okay, this okay. is this is yeah. the what it, what is sort of now the Palmer House. Right. And I yeah. think yep. someone wrote in and, and helped us out with that during the show during the rewatch Run of Swim Peaks, but I believe that the Palmer house that is being used now is the ex- the exterior and interior are consistent. Like it used oh, okay, to be that Laura's okay. house exterior was just a different a, location. A different yeah. place and now they, mm-hmm. they consolidated it for Firewalk with Got me. It. And okay. that's what we're seeing here. It had been in the trailers and like that shot had had shown up in some of the Showtime marketing and I looked at it like even then yeah, I was excited yeah, yeah, to yeah, see yeah. it but I was still totally I, I caught off guard had, when it just so I, I oh, was too I was totally yeah when it suddenly just yeah. went boom the Palmer House like whoa yeah, yeah. I like I, I should have known that it would show up in the show at some point but anyway yeah. whatever also uh, man what a just like nail biter of a scene yeah I, I thought you get you get the the Sarah Palmer content you you <laughs> yeah. you expect and yeah just w- chain smoking while watching big cats devour prey. with just a bottle of vodka and a bottle of bloody Mary mix yeah. on the on the table yeah, yeah watching just the most messed up yeah. stuff the way that I sort of as it was going, I was like, "Oh, maybe it's just it's like a nature documentary, but then the but more it of like, it they show it's, it's like really a, raw it's not what yeah i yeah. i I don't you know that scene didn't it didn't go anywhere concrete that I understood, but no, the way that the camera sort of went to. from yeah. cutting back and forth of the TV to her yeah. to sort of slowly just Push the camera drifting the and pushing so that no, it doesn't go to the TV. It's on her. Oh, maybe it does eventually, but for it a while, yeah. it's on her and the camera sort of turns so that the all of the the weird mirror arrangement behind her uh, becomes completely filled up with the imagery from the TV, and then yeah, yeah. you just turn and push on the TV. Yeah, what is it? I don't know. I was just mostly happy to see yeah, I mean, Sarah Palmer back you being know, in, in a... We don't know what was going on with Dr. Jacoby. You know, I mean, we no. don't really know what's going on with, with Ben, with the Horn brothers, other than, like, we see them doing the shit they just do. That's true. I guess what Sarah Palmer does, then, is be incredibly intense. Because this this yeah. just, this just felt so much more meaningful because of the intensity and because of the, like... Sp- specificity of tone and creative choices but not narrative like jacoby is doing actions he's receiving yeah, shovels he's instigating then, yeah and yeah. like the horns are like talking about their weed business we're just whereas this is just like yeah it's sarah all palmer is yeah having an intense emotional experience yep. at home alone yep. and why are we being shown her at this point in the story i don't know right but i'm the fact that we were is meaningful in and of itself yeah i think that's exactly right yeah that actress is so good at just being intense. Oh yeah, she's incredible. <laughs> like, yeah. Just come back and do your thing. Yep. Yeah. Nailed it. Um so I think it is important I think the big remaining thing other than the Vegas thing which I, I don't necessarily know there's any point discussing until we know what it is. As it comes back uh, yeah. the big remaining thing is the Roadhouse. <laughs> yes. In which characters return. Yeah. <laughs> so we Shelley is the first returning character we see in there she's yeah she's hanging out with some friends in a booth 
Yep. And they're talking about whatever. They seem younger than her. It made me think that it's like more double R staff was my guess. For yeah, those I people think are. that's a good guess probably. Assuming Shelly still works at the double R. Yeah. James walks in. Oh, James. Uh, walks, James walks in with what is maybe James Jr.? <laughs> He walks in with some kid, right? With a cast. Oh, I, I didn't even notice that. Yeah, because because James was like, this place is cool to that kid. And the kid says, oh, like, I, didn't sure. realize, I thought that kid was like, got a British accent. I don't know. I don't I know. I didn't realize that was. Maybe it's little Nicky. Probably not. Little Nicky's like 25, yeah. but uh, or older. Little yeah. Nicky's probably at that least like, like 30s. He's in his 30s. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Weird. <laughs> little Nicky, a.k.a. Truman. Yeah. Sheriff Truman, too. Um, when it was revealed that. Well, when Sheriff Truman okay. adopted him, whatever, yeah. whatever. Yeah, but that kid says something like it beats a toilet seat or something like that. I didn't hear what he said. Yeah. Maybe maybe he's not British. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I thought he might have had an accent too, but James seems to – who knows what James is up to. Yeah. All that we know about James now is, one, he got in a motorcycle accident. <laughs> not important. <laughs> two, James is has always been cool yeah, or whatever. I think we know three things. <laughs> James got in a motorcycle accident. James is cool. And James has always been cool. I think those are the three things he's we know still, about He's James. still cool. He's always been cool. <laughs> yeah. False. <laughs> I loved I loved that line oh, in there. I, I did too. It was just like, yeah. you could just feel Mark Frost and David Lynch both probably, but yeah. mostly, Mark <laughs> mostly Mark Frost, Mark just Frost. turning around and looking at the camera and saying, James has always been cool. Yep. <laughs> it's so good. Also, go to hell, everyone who says anything about James. Yep. He's in this show. Get used to it. He's cool. He's cool. Yep. Uh, here is the craziest thing about that scene to me. Jacques Renault is at the bar. I know. I noticed that as what well. What the hell? I couldn't tell if that was what that was. Yeah. It, it was like, was that just a strange wink? Is this actually, does that have some sort of meaning? Because when, when I noticed that... Um, which I didn't until I went back and rewatched that scene earlier today. Oh, I noticed it immediately. Oh, I totally didn't. It made me wonder ridiculous things like, is there actually deliberate discontinuity in this series? And the reason that, that would I, be a big. The reason of... that I wondered that though is because the Twin Peaks book, the Secret History book, oh yeah, changes Norma's backstory right. so that her mom dies. Yeah, and it's like, why? Why would? That's a it's a ridiculous leap for me to make of yeah. why is Jacques Renault in this bar and why is uh, why is God, Jacques Renault's death is so much more central to the main events though than Norma's mom. Ah, uh, debatable, Chris. MT Wentz, key character, <laughs> <laughs> notable restaurant critic and hater. Yeah. Uh, what if Jacques Renault and uh, Norma's mom were both hanging out together? What if he was there with a picture of Norma's mom's grave? <laughs> God. <laughs> we haven't seen episodes three and four yet, so people probably can can uh, confirm or deny this. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know what that meant, if anything. But yeah, uh, it was. We'll find out. It was weird that yeah. he was there. Yeah. Um, and the band that was playing was the Chromatics, which is weird that it wasn't Julie Cruz, but it was also like they found a tonally a- appropriate I replacement that made band. Sense. Yeah. Yeah. Because the 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 roadhouse was just packed full. Yeah. Of young people. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was it was good. It was good that they. It was weird seeing that many people. It makes it that one scene made it feel to me like Twin Peaks has maybe grown in population. Or that's the since... only place the Chromatics are playing in that part of the Pacific Northwest until they go to Portland. So this is just like <laughs> sure, but why would they then go there? I mean, I don't know. I it that just made it feel like a center point of a more populated town yeah. than the original felt to me. That I mean, that said, knowing that the Twin Peaks population was artificially inflated. Yep. You know, beyond what Twin Frost Peaks, and Lynch. Twin Peaks High School already was way bigger than that town should have had. That, that's true. That's a good point. That was a big. So if you imagine the eighties movie where the school bell rings and every student that could fill a school of that size just pours into their cars, which are obviously uh, old style convertibles, <laughs> right. and then goes to the roadhouse to watch yeah. a chromatic show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I want to know what the duel with Jack Renault is. That was outrageous. Yeah, maybe it's his his brother or something weird like that. Some some weird cop out. I, it's an identical cousin. I was reading. About, it's his cousin. I was reading. Yeah, right. Madeline wearing Renault. glasses. Yeah, I, <laughs> I I I was reading about that actor, and it's a bummer. He had he had to get knee surgery, and there were complications from it that led to like a series of infections, and he ended up having to get nine surgeries, which completely bankrupted him. Wow. Yeah, that actor has had a terrible, terrible like life, and I guess, um, y- you know, he. 
people he had worked with in the past, like Whoopi, Whoopi Goldberg. He was like on a show with her one okay. time, and she like donated a bunch of money to help him pay his medical bills. Crazy, which he just could not cover. He had a guest spot on Seinfeld one time and would get royalty checks for like $82 at a time from that, which he was using to pay this off. So it kind of made me wonder if maybe like, he's just in this show. So that, that so that's yeah, another like way I of supporting if, this. Yeah. Everyone's friend. Austin Lynch are kind of doing him a solid by hooking him up with some, you know, union work basically. And hmm. I, I mean, I, I don't know. Um, we'll find out. Yeah, man. If he's a Renault cousin, I would be so happy yeah. with that. I would have, I mean, anyway, to to have that, I, I'm also just like whatever. Have that guy back. Oh, uh, Leland was in this episode. And we jumped over it. Oh my god! Of course, that was the other character who was in the in red the room. room. Yeah, yeah. Who yeah. I just yeah. like wrote Leland exclamation yep, point in yep, my notes. Yep, Sorry yep. to just leap no, way back to that. Yep. I also just I wrote the same thing. Yes. There's also it's um I mean I, I don't have many comments about Leland other than I was really glad to see Ray Wise. Uh, he looks great, and I'm really excited about the hopefully additional episodes he, he will be in doing more things. Um, but that reminds me that we've gotten so far um, a couple numbers, three-digit numbers in the Red Room. Mm-hmm. I have written down 430 and 253, and there was a comment that someone that someone wrote. Oh. Uh, yeah. Just Leland says, find Laura, which, again, means nothing in, uh, without any context. But I guess that makes me think that my theory that anything that happened to Laura on screen was related to the past is probably not true. But anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, I just wanted to quickly mention a note on the forum from Utility Frog, uh, who posted in the Twin Peaks Rewatch forum, I think as part of a larger post, but I, I quickly wanted to mention... There's a discrepancy between the number that the arm speaks aloud and its subtitle. Okay. Huh. Yeah, which is which is pretty fascinating. I, it occurred to me, you know, I, I was thinking they've always had subtitles on the screen for backward speaking characters, presumably just because it's sometimes difficult to discern exactly yeah. what they're saying. But obviously the potential for abuse and m- intentional misleading is entirely there yeah so that they're is doing just now, something i'm tossing out that was yeah. observed by one of our yeah. listeners um because i thought it was interesting yep um on that note actually do you have any more any more specific thoughts or do you want to maybe do some reader mail yeah let's do some reader mail all right i don't think i've got anything else okay well we got we have a bunch already um if you would like to send us send us mail you can do so send it to twin peaks at idlethumbs.net and if you could just note what episode in the subject line your email refers to, that would be helpful. It'll be very yeah. helpful, yeah. That'll get less important as we get farther in the season, but for now it's very useful. Yep. Um, all right, so uh, here's some email. Yep. Definitely Jeff. Actually, this is an email. This is from the forums. Oh. Definitely Jeff writes on the forums, the image of two millennials sitting in a faux living room couch holding coffee cups staring intently into the camera felt like such an eerily effective mirror to the audience. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought that was a really funny... Yeah. That feels very, very, very plausibly yeah. David Lynch to me. The I think it was... There's an article on the AV Club that was a write-up of the first couple episodes that talked about sitting there staring at a glass box waiting for something to happen for basically forever as maybe a David Lynch, Mark Frost commentary on Mm, just modern TV viewing habits. Yep. Plausible. Yep. Yep. I I think so. Um, Speaking of the, the glass box, you're going to have to answer this, I guess. Um, But perps on the forums writes, am I the only one who noticed the parallels between the stuff with the glass box and the sequence in the book where Milford and Nixon visit area 51? (sighs) Oh, I saw that on the forum, and I almost went back and leafed through the book to try and find that. But yeah. I, I, there's probably parallels there. That's it, it's a, I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't remember enough about that scene. I saw a couple other people mention that, and it made me feel inept as a podcast host for not going back and remembering that. But I think that there is some sort of containment thing in Area 51 that is also glass or translucent, but then yeah. also – Sorry, this is like book spoiler, I guess, but <laughs> it's also fine. not. I feel like that's okay. Yeah. To to the book's credit, I think, even though it indulges in Area 51 and alien stuff and all sorts of government stuff, it actually is a longer form 
version of the same arc that that stuff takes in the show where everyone goes off on these crazy fanciful expeditions thinking that there's aliens and there's all this other weird stuff and then it comes back to uh, actually what people were doing was scratching the surface of this weird sort of like alternate world right like the same way that major briggs said we got signals from space. Oh, actually, it was just from right, the woods. Right, 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 right. Yep. So, like, I, if I remember correctly, which, man, I'm sorry to people if I'm not remembering this correctly, the air, a lot of the Area 51 stuff that that is being referred to by this forum poster ultimately did end up being stuff that sort of tied back into Lodge mm-hmm. stuff and not yep. into aliens. So right. the idea that – so to my memory, which is apparently faulty, and again, I'm sorry uh, – <laughs> The notion that there are parallels between those things, and that Frost put it in the book because he put it in the script, likely. Sure, but I just don't. I don't remember enough to know. Yeah. Um, well, here's another comment from Perps regarding the secret history book. This is just a quick clarification. Yep. Uh, oh he, yeah. He says this is he, regarding two Sheriff Trumans. He says this is actually set up in the book. Uh, he wasn't sure if this counts as a spoiler. I'm going to say it does it's, not. It's fine. Yep. He says, Truman has a brother. The two of them were both deputies until the old sheriff retired. Harry became the new sheriff and his brother moved out to Seattle to become a cop there. Yeah. So. And then I th- I believe that the story that they introduced <clears throat> is when the sheriff Truman we know retires or hangs it up. His brother steps in as Twin Peaks' sheriff. That's what I figure, yeah. Um, and yeah, I totally just, that slipped my mind. Yeah. Um, and it's that's fine. Um, via email, mm-hmm. um, actually, you know what? Let's save that one for next week. Okay. Uh, also via email, Anonymous writes, Dear Peaks Rewatch, was James really cool? I'm confused by this. Send help. Best regards, Peaks Rewatch reader. I saw someone either on the forums or in Thumbs chat say that in the world of Twin Peaks, James is cool. <laughs> That's true. Whether or not yeah. James, the character that we watch, James is, cool. is cool. All of James's signifiers and his story and his aesthetic yeah. and everything else are canonically cool in the world of Twin Peaks. I like, think that is correct. Like his, yeah. he's super earnest, but also is like a leather-clad motorcycle riding greaser yep. and also is just a doof. Doofy men in Twin Peaks are all cool or evil. <laughs> like, I mean, uh, Cooper yeah. maybe is an exception. He's less. He's less doofy in the way Goofy's that pretty, Go- Cooper's pretty doofy compared to like how that character would be treated in other television shows. Yes, that's totally true. But James is one of the last holdouts that we've seen on camera so far of the sort of like soft but supposed to be hard uh twin right. peaks twin peaks men i mean i think the thing that makes him a challenge to find cool is that he doesn't really convey the hard <laughs> part very well. not a lot of not a lot of the male actors on twin peaks actually pulled that off yeah uh, but some of them are just like totally comfortable in their skin in a yes, way that you the know, james is not james is not he yeah. still really isn't even in his scene in this episode i know yeah oh it was it was a thing yeah. um I mean, if you can accept the w- weird video effect crazy monster coming out of glass box, you'll accept that, you'll James, accept is cool. that James is cool. <laughs> you just have to buy into the to the lore of Twin Peaks, in which James is cool and has always been cool talking and about, is still cool. Talking about Cooper being a doof reminded me once again that Kyle MacLachlan is doing a really good job in this show. He is awesome. By playing yeah. mm-hmm. two Coopers, they're, they both feel very different and very good. Yeah. Yeah. I assume he will also, I hope, soon be playing a third Cooper, which is- A conscious, real-life, normal, life, normal right, Cooper. Because uh, the, the sort of good Cooper in the Black Lodge is not really- the, It's like doesn't a- really like act a, the, Everyone acts weirder there. Sort of muddled, yeah. uh, like muffled Stilted. Cooper. Yeah. Yep. 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 <sighs> it's all that I want. <laughs> um, so Vegas writes on the forums- Philip Jeffries, just hearing his name in the show made me happy they didn't abandon that character despite the death of David Bowie. Rest in peace. I heard David Lynch said Fire Walk With Me was crucial for understanding this show, but in a lot of ways it feels like it was retroactively the beginning of this new thing that Twin Peaks is. Huh. I think that's a really good observation. That's a good I way mean, of thinking I, about it. Yeah, if, if, you treat, if Fire Walk With Me is functionally a 20-plus year removed pilot for this yeah. series, that's not inaccurate. With the big difference that I do think that so far, and this could change greatly, so far the treatment of like assume, Bob assuming 
Bad Cooper is is Bob or is inhabited by Bob. That feels very, very different to me than how Firewalk With Me does. But stylistically, yeah. it feels very much like a continuation. It's also we don't know what's up with Cooper enough oh, to make that call yet. Including all of the all of the on screen titles other than the credits being that italic bold it's sans serif it's a less David it's Lynch a less loves. good one than the one that's in firewalk with me though. yeah it's a more boring version but it's yeah. that same it yeah the lost loca- highway has that yeah Mulholland drive i think has firewalk that. with me i think actually used avant-garde or avenir whichever the twin peaks font is but italic and really oh maybe it didn't use it for no, the location it was a heavier tags. weight for the location for sure. tags it didn't you're right it was for the opening credits that it used mm, the twin okay. peaks font but italicized yeah. But yeah you're right the location ones was just like straight boring firewalk with me is increasingly revealing itself to be the prism in the middle of twin peaks that refracts like twin the light of the original twin peaks show goes into the firewalk with me the prism and then comes out the new series basically if yeah the, yeah, the yeah, Pink yeah, Floyd yeah. album cover is yeah. <laughs> Twin Peaks, the original show, Firewalk with Me, Twin Peaks season three yep. as the three pieces of the of the as the light going in the prism and the light, and light coming, coming out. out. Yeah, yeah, I think that's exactly right. On that weird nonsensical <laughs> metaphor, um, let's wrap up this episode. If you enjoy this show, uh, please tell a friend. That is, I already seen people pass the word along yeah, since thank our first you so episode much. went out, which is awesome. We really appreciate it a ton. Our website is TwinPeaksRewatch.com, and you can find links to subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, RSS, all that stuff. And if you would like to send us email uh, or talk about the show, you can send email to TwinPeaks at idlethumbs.net, and you can also participate in our forum community. There's a link uh, at our website, TwinPeaksRewatch.com. So on that, for Idle Thumbs, I am Chris Remo. I'm Jake Rodkin. And we'll be back in a few days for episode three. (laughs) Yeah.